In the early morning, the sun began to cut through the mist at Letcher County Central High School in Whitesburg as voters rolled up one by one before work. With almost no signs except next to the building, it was a change for many who once voted at the Whitesburg Public Library. As mist rose from the mountains, people drove into the parking lot searching for the entrance to the polling place. Welcome to Mountain Talk's post-election special. Election season has always been a pretty energetic time of year here in the mountains. I'm Katie Myers, and today you're in the sidecar as we bounce around in Eastern Kentucky Election Day. We'll start in the present on voting day and then head into the past towards electioneering and campaigning in 1981 Leslie County. And finally, we'll catch up with Dee Davis of the Center for Rural Strategies on what this election means for the region's past, present, and future. For some, like this high school senior, it was their first time voting. Uh, my name's Preston Haley. Uh, this was just the first time that uh, I was able to vote, so I just wanted to come down and make sure I did it. Others had been voting for decades. Some were lifelong Democrats, some Republicans. Some had switched parties. Some cared about the economy, others abortion rights. Still others, flood recovery. A lot of people, like poll worker Chris Caudill, were concerned about the long lines at the polls, which made for a confusing day. Chris Caudill is the city manager of Whitesburg, and he also worked the polls on election day at May King. I started at 5.15 that morning. I think I left finally at 7... Well, the voting stopped at 7.33. We had a line outside at, at 6. And I think I finally left about 8.30. So I was there all day and evening. Uh, it's my first time working a poll. Very interesting. But you you know, you, you get to see people that you haven't seen in a long, long time, you know, and, and you're trying to catch up with them and get their machine ready for them to vote. Uh, and then they, they after they vote, they want to sit around and talk for a minute, you know, and it's, it's just hard because the polls were busy last night. Um, all the polls had a line out the door Hours was wrapped around the building, the high school was wrapped around the building. So, you know, they say it was low, low voter turnout yesterday, but we were busy from opening day, opening time to 6 a.m. all the way, like I said, to 7.30. All day, I and WMMT reporter Rowan Raudabush saw it firsthand. We drove around between polling places to get a sense of what really matters to Letcher Countyans today. From the high up Letcher County Central High School on a hill in Whitesburg, to the lines out the door at the May King Volunteer Fire Department, to the packed Jenkins Independent School, to the schools and community centers of Neon and Hemphill way down at the foot of the mountain, here's what our voters had to say. I know, I was up at six. I should have stopped yeah, by uh, uh, Jenny, Lewis. In my opinion, they've done a very good job so far. Yeah. What, what I would like to see is for yeah. someone to get in office who will bring economic development uh, to Whitesburg and Letcher County. Um, I noticed that a lot of the uh, counties that surround us are getting in new businesses and new this and new that. And it seems like here we sit in Letcher County and uh, we're not advancing as far economically as in some of the other surrounding counties. Just I haven't lived here all my life. I'm originally from Johnson County, so 
but I've lived in Letcher County for 30 years. My voice should count for something, I guess. <laughs> First of all, you got to have like, there's no industry or anything here for any of the politicians to have uh, leverage with. Like they can't say, okay, because you know how it works. We got a coal business because all the coal industry's gone. To, that we could get jobs in here and stuff. That's what I would like to do. Uh, so yeah, what's, what's important to you today? The economy. Uh, I, just, I feel like everything's spiraling out of control. Groceries, gasoline, just uh, I'm not happy with the economy. Claude Short, coming in from Jackhorn. What's important to you this election day? Like, Saving democracy, lady. Anything Trump, I'm voting against. That's why I'm here today. So I'm voting against anybody locally who's currently in there. Uh, local magistrates and the county judge executive, uh, I think those need to be changed. Read the Bailey. The most important issues to me are change and people being able to get stuff done when it needs to and get money brought into our county. Like we don't never get much done up where we live, so we would like to see that change. We would like to see our roads improved and we would just like to see our county build as a whole. We think that, that especially me being retired, I, I really feel that we should be offered uh, better health care and the price shouldn't be as high as it is and especially buying uh, a, a supplement for Medicare is extremely high and people can't afford it. The voting experience was really good. They, they've worked hard to try to make shift and, and, and get us arrangements so it's as comfortable as possible for the voters. The day's beautiful, so that made it nice. Uh, obviously, there's big big turnout because uh, all the polling stations have been rather busy, I hear, which is good. Everybody exercising their right, but they did a real fine job here at Fleming Neon getting it set up and ready for us, considering uh, you had been waist high in water just you know a few weeks ago. Well, I'm, I'm hoping we, we, we get some attention drawn to our small town. We're used to being at the bottom of the list, um, but I'm, I'm hoping that we can revitalize and, and we have enough young people that's willing to, to um, reestablish ourselves on uh, some of our storefront. Well, every storefront is blown out and gone, so it's going to take a lot of decision-making on whether they want to reinvest you know, or not and if their return on investments is worth the for putting their businesses back in. And we're just, we're just hoping it comes through. Uh, gonna need a whole lot of help over the next few years. Uh, we used to vote at SECO and then moved it down to Kona down there and it's up here today, but it's the first time I voted here. Uh, I just like to see things back to normal. <laughs> like to see the coal back in business. Now all of us went to school here. That's it. Me, my son, my grandson, granddaughter's going now. That's nice. Same place.
I want our country to be strong again, stand up, not be afraid and have other nations laughing at us. I want the economy to be strong again. And people in our area are mostly coal miners. Our community in this area is related, all relates back to coal mine. Well, we, we don't have money to go to the store and buy what we want anymore. We don't have money to go out and eat. So it's been, everything's, inflation is, is really hurting us. So I'm here to vote straight Republican today. <laughs> Uh, John Mullins. Yeah, just we'll get a road fixed or a flood damage repaired, that'd be great. My name's Bonnie Kinser. I'm Busy Bonnie at Busy Bees Flowers. Well, uh, it's very been very crowded in there, but I'm glad to see a turnout like that. We own a business in town and we've worked every day since the flood and we're still working to get finished every week. I, th I say, well, a couple of more weeks we'll have it, but um, but seems like every time that I say that, it turns into four more weeks, but we're almost there. We're almost there, and everybody's working because there's a lot of good people in Neon, and they're not going to give up on this town. Uh, what are you hoping for for this election today? I know that everybody's been trying the best they could, so we just that's what we want it to continue because we want to get this town back. Right. Yeah. And were there any issues on the ballot that was particularly meaningful to you? Not really, not really. I'm not going, I wouldn't go into those amendments, but I know how I voted on it. And then, you know, everybody has their own right to what they believe in. And I know what I believe in, so that's the way I voted. What's, you know, what, what's impacting your life? Uh, just uh, the, the basic things that working people, you know, the cost of gas, um, the cost of food at the table, and, you know, this area has been affected by flooding. There's still homeless people. I mean, things that were just overlooked here. I wanted to, I would like to see somebody that actually cares about this place instead of just drawing a paycheck off taxpayers. Um, I'm Haley Isabel Fields. I go by Izzy. Um, and I came out today to vote against Amendment 2 because abortion, right is very, abortion rights are extremely important to me. I want to go into health care and women's rights, reproductive rights are health care. So. I want to make sure that's secure for the future. I grew up here. I've lived here my entire life, and I hope to come back and work here one day. I'm really excited to help people. Yeah. A lot of people that do get an abortion don't speak up about it, and I feel like we need to create an environment because I know for a fact there are women around here who just need access to reproductive rights like that. In high school, we were really taught like um, abstinence is the right way to do things. And if you really care about preventing abortions, then maybe we should address those things. You know what I'm saying? Like get more education or things like that. Um, I want to be an OBGYN one day, yeah. So, and hopefully I can help out here. And um, also just voting. Um, it's super important when I exercise my rights. <laughs> Hi, 
Samantha Brawl. Jack Horn. Like I said, I don't remember any amendments being on ballots before. So, and I actually kind of, it's a lot to be explained in the time that you have to take to vote. It's a lot, you know, to take in. You don't have to answer this, but can I ask how you feel about uh, the amendment? It's, okay, well, it's hard to say because sometimes I feel like uh, I'm pro-life, but I'm pro-choice. I feel like there's sometimes extenuating circumstances to things like that. So, no, I do not think that it should be just banned just completely. Do you remember Tupac? you remember the rapper? And there was a lyric. He said that since a man can't make one, he has no right to tell a woman when and where to create one. That's how I feel about that. I am pro-choice. I feel like a woman should have the right to choose what she wants for her life. Because sometimes things happen, they just do. our county's like on the right direction now and hopefully we'll just continue on the path that we're doing right now because I think we got really good officials in right now and I hope we keep them and keep going. Ready? I think this election is the time that we take back our country to make it free again, to let people have their choices but not infringe on other people's rights. And oh, I think our county's like on the right direction now and hopefully we'll just continue on the path that we're doing right now because I think we got really good officials in right now and I hope we keep them and keep going. There's so much devastation and so much loss for our county and hopefully, like I said, the officials is who's gonna make our county back right and get it going again and strong like it used to be. As the day wound down, the sun began to set at 6 o'clock p.m. as polls closed, dozens were still in line to vote all over the county, huddling together out the doors of the Making Fire Department, the Hemphill Community Center, the school in Jenkins, and more. That night, the election results came in. Kentuckians voted no to Amendment 2, keeping the possibility of a return to legal abortion open in the state. After Republican changes to her district, longtime Democratic State Representative Angie Hatton was voted out of her seat and Charles Booker lost the Senate to incumbent Rand Paul, but Eastern Kentucky swung harder for him this election than the last time he ran to unseat Mitch McConnell. Poll worker and city manager Chris Cottle hopes some of the voting process gets smoothed out next time. If voting is a way to exercise our rights, it needs to be more accessible. Not everybody can wait in line for an hour to do it. There has to be a better system. You know, I think there's a simpler way, we just gotta figure it out. But still, he feels he learned a lot from working the polls. It was fun. Like I said, I mean, you get to see people you haven't seen in a long time, some people you never seen, you know. I've seen people that lost everything they had. They were voting. I've seen people that just lost a little bit. They were voting. Um, the people that vote, it don't matter. I mean, if it's raining, snowing, whatever, they go vote. Of course, we don't exist in a historical vacuum. 
Now, we'll take you through some campaigning and electioneering of years past. The election season of 1981 was a memorable one in Leslie County, especially the race for county judge executive. The Republican primary for county judge was a rematch between incumbent C. Allen Muncie and longtime former county judge George Wooten, and their race was tense. Muncie had just been federally convicted of fraud for buying and forging absentee ballots in his last race against Wooten in 1977. And both men were classic mountain politicians and seasoned veterans of the practice of going holler to holler, door to door, looking for votes. The 1982 Apple Shop film The Big Lever, directed by Francis Morton, chronicled this race. And up next, we bring you a series of clips from that film. Among the voices you'll hear will be Muncie and Wooten themselves, along with several other Leslie County candidates and voters from the time. You'll also hear from the influential Letcher County attorney and writer, Harry Cottle. As we have in the past, we will start with the district races. As we come to each office, it'd be appreciated if the candidates who want to speak would come on around so you can be introduced. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm U.S. Howard, run for magistrate district two. I served as your magistrate four years, and my records speak for themselves. I helped with the roads, the bridges. I helped with the uh, schools getting their gyms built. I helped in the voting precincts, getting their voting machines backed and redistricted. And I did a lot of good things that have proven I worked for the people. Another candidate from district number two. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is William Lewis. I'm a candidate for magistrate in district two. Appreciate all the votes and help I can get. And if I am elected, and after serving you four years, and if I ain't a magistrate you can stand up and be proud of, I'll promise you I won't be out there in your face embarrassing you asking for your vote in the next primary election. When you go out there and vote, you vote for a man, not a mouse. Elect me for your magistrate in District 2. Thank you. My name is Hannah Beckley. I'm running for jailer. And I've been cooking for 34 years and everything. Everybody knows I'm a good cook. So whenever you get in jail, you need to worry about being fed good because I'll feed you good. And I'll keep the jail clean and everything. And whenever you need help, you'll get help. If you come in there, no pants on, you'll have something whenever you leave. But, and whenever, I'll fix you something to eat, too, besides a bologna sandwich. It won't be a bologna sandwich. And I appreciate it. Everybody comes out and votes for me on May the, the 26th. Thank you. outbreak of the Civil War here in Leslie County. Very, very few people in the county were slave owners. And consequently, the overwhelming majority of the people in Leslie County were sympathetic toward the Union. And for the most part, uh, up until quite recently, the people here in the county 
uh, still trace their party allegiance back to that period in time when they supported the cause of the Union and of course they identified with the Republican Party and with, uh, with Lincoln. At the beginning, I think uh, the Republican Party was the party of the people. It was the party of Abraham Lincoln. It was the party of the Homestead Law, which opened the land in the West to small farmers instead of turning it over to great land companies. Lincoln was a man of the people. And in those formative years, it was the Liberal Party. In fact, it was called the Black Republican Radical Party. Uh, and in a place like Plessy County, it's a folk memory of that time. The thing that makes Leslie County somewhat different is that uh, roads came late to Leslie County. And uh, because of that, modern influences have operated on it somewhat less than they have uh, in the adjoining counties, such as Letcher and Harlan and uh, Prairie, where the railroads came and the coal towns were built. Um, they were built in those counties about 1911 to 1920. And for all practical purposes, Leslie County, by contrast, was not industrialized till the Second World War about uh, 30 years later. Letcher County, Harlan, Perry were all strong Republican counties. Well, when, the, when they were industrialized, the people in large numbers moved off the farms and moved into the coal towns and coal camps, and there they uh, became uh, unionized with when the New Deal came. And when they became unionized, thousands of them became Democrats, for example. Uh, they, they, have, they became what was called in the 30s Roosevelt Democrats or New Deal Democrats. That didn't happen in Leslie because they were still living in, on, on farms. Ladies and gentlemen, since I'm in office and uh, ever been, evidently all these candidates want me out, I think I'll ask them to go first and tell you why I should be voted out, and then I'll try to tell you why I should stay in. Ladies and gentlemen, I stayed in here, I served 16 years. I didn't lead none of you boys and your friends to the federal penitentiary. You enjoyed 16 years of peace and prosperity. You need a man that will be elected and put in by the people and not a posse. When you George Wooten and his buddies have been on my back from the day that I won that primary and they are still on my back, ladies and gentlemen, and I want you to get them off of my back. Everybody home? Why, howdy, howdy. I thought I'd better come out here about pace up a boat. George has run out. I mean, he was a, a, a big figure in our lives, you know, for 12 years. And even beyond that, he's been running since 1946. He was like, he ran for sheriff and got beat when he first came back from the war. And then he ran again four years later and won. And then at the end of that term, he started running for county judge, I believe it would have been in 54. And he's been running for county judge four years ever since. And he won uh, three terms, and when I beat him, 
if he'd have used his head, he would have supported me, and then we would have elected him state representative or state senator or something like that. He hasn't known when to quit. I better move my car here. Live a loser vote, get a man in late for, to work. See ya. The first election that I was in, uh, I traveled, tried to hit all the homes in Leslie County. Of course, that's impossible because it takes about, uh, I'd say you could spend a year trying to get up everybody in their homes. So I did that a lot the first time, and then when the speaking set it started, we had one in every precinct, and that made it a little easier to meet people. And then in the, the last campaign, I visited homes to some extent, but mainly just went to the speakings. Uh, during those seven years, though, I have learned that politics in Leslie County is a matter of having support by families. There's about 2,500 families in Leslie County, and if you get a majority of the families on your side, then you will win, and nobody can, can, can beat you. If you were working this area here, you'd call a meeting in people from, say, from, from uh, Camp Creek, from uh, Hurricane, uh, from, uh, you know, the different areas, and have a meeting, and you'd have a voter's list, and you go out down the list, each individual name, and somebody there will know everybody that you, that's registered to vote. And they'll have a real good idea of who they're for and why. And they'll probably know their wife's name and their children's name, even their dogs and how many, if they got any hogs or cattle. I mean, you know, they'll know the whole background and you'll discuss this person. And uh, it may be that that person is closely related to the person that you're running against. Well, well you might well just forget them and move on down to the next name. Or maybe you've got a shot at this fellow here. I, I, you might, somebody will say, well, I, I know how I can talk to him. Uh, he's his, uh, maybe through relationship. Uh, his brother married my aunt, and, um, you know, we get along real good. I'll talk to him tomorrow. I'll see him tomorrow, and you'll work like that. And he'll hug him and say, well, I know Aunt Lily Bell and my great-grandma was the best of friends. Went to school together, and, you know, I want you to be sure to vote for me. You know, we're kin. We're... Now, this, uh, this sticks, and, you know, you, you go away with a good feeling if you're kin to somebody. I think this goes all the way back to uh, our forefathers and, you know, families helping each other and the, the independence that, uh, that we had to have and we needed each other in hard times. There's times when some of the family would get in trouble about to starve out years ago or maybe even now for that matter where they could get help from their kin people. That's still true. When George Uton was uh, judge over there, several of them had went, you know, to get a, to get him to come work on the road. Well, I'd ask him once, and uh, my husband was in the hospital, and we seemed to bring him home. And I went over there, and I said, George, we're going to bring the old man home uh, Friday, Saturday. I said, wish to goodness you'd get over there and do something on the road. Be right over there tomorrow. Well, he didn't come. And we had to carry Sam across the hill. Well, George run again, you see, and he come right up to me and he said, well, I reckon you're sure going to vote for me? I said, no, sir. I said, I sure can't. He said, why? I said, I asked you for a favor. I said, that wouldn't hurt you a bit. And I said, you just, uh, you promised me, but I said, that's all I got. I said, we had to carry my husband across that mountain on stretchers. And I said, uh, it's just too late. 
He said, no, it's never too late. He said, I'll be over there tomorrow to fix the road. I said, just too late. And I didn't vote for it. <laughs> but that's all they promise you, but they won't do nothing. And I got used to that. It's, it's done a little bit better for the last couple of years, but used to, not many years ago, they never scraped the road, no matter how many chug holes or something was in it, till election was a coming up. Then you'd see them a coming in with it. Then they'd put on a few extra men, knowing that they'd get them to vote for them, and just as soon as it was over with, they'd farm. And some of them's never learned that that's what they do. They use them. That's true. Despite everything that he could throw at me, despite every lie that they could put in the papers, I persevered anyway. And I've done more for you than George Wooten did in 12 years or could do in 20. But this is the most critical election in the county's history. And I don't have any doubt in mind about the results. I could never figure how they could win an election like they did. They beat me 28 votes the first time, and they beat me a little over 100 the other time. Could them absentee ballots kind of help to do that? How many of them was honest? Let's have a fair election. Let's get honesty in this county. Thank you. Take your family on May the 26th. Every vote counts. Elect your old friend George, and I'll bring the good things back to Leslie County, and it'll be an honor. It'd be great that you're living in Leslie County under my next four years, and I believe I'll be your judge. I really believe that from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. God bless you. I hope you live 10,000 years and never die. <laughs> One thing we wanted to know is just about this list. As people come in, are you kind of checking them off? Well, see, we've got our, we, what I've got here is I've, we've got our friends with a check mark by them, and, as they, and we work from this checklist to see to it their friends get out to vote. And as they come to vote, we check them off, and then we know who to go get and so forth. So if somebody doesn't show up, then you'll send we'll somebody? we send somebody out. That's right. Well, uh, are they generally coming in this time? Yeah. Like a good turnout. Yeah. Good turnout, probably well about, I'd say about 80%, maybe. Yeah. Maybe, I say. There's 601 all together, and I predict it might hit between three and 400 somewhere. Maybe. How does it, how do you uh, feel about it so far? I've got it one. Really? Yeah. You seem pretty confident. I am. How can you tell, sir? Well, I know who my friends are, and we've done the same thing in every precinct. And all we have to do is get them out to vote, and we will. We've got sufficient friends to get them out to vote. It's all over but counting. And getting everybody out. Still some more hard work, but yeah, we will. Wooden, 16. Midway, number 13. Muncie, 175. Wooten, 94. Okay, Bad Creek, number 7. Muncie, 107. Wooten, 
Again, you've been hearing clips from the 1982 Apple Shop film The Big Lever, directed by Francis Morton. And as an epilogue, while he did win the primary, C. Allen Muncie would go on to lose in the general election for Leslie County Judge Executive that fall. D. Davis knows a lot about Eastern Kentucky history. Davis is the founder and president of the Center for Rural Strategies, and he's kept a close eye on election trends here in the mountains and in rural areas all over the country. Here's D. on what this election means for Eastern Kentucky in the long view, and what might be next for us. Eastern Kentucky has been dominated by the coal industry, and people voted accordingly. Sometimes in the old days it was pro-union, later it was kind of pro-minor, and in more recent years it's been pro-industry. The coal industry came under some criticism and some um uh legislative uh, uh scrutiny because of emissions or uh environmental concerns so so we got a situation now where the coal industry in eastern Kentucky's been necrotic, and as the employment has declined, so is the population and in what was once a very influential position in eastern Kentucky regards to state politics is now not so influential. And and we don't even know uh, post-reapportionment what that's going to mean in terms of the growth areas of the state, central Kentucky, what we call the Golden Triangle, the Cincinnati suburbs to Louisville to Lexington. That's where the population growth is heavy. And you can have population declines in places like uh, the Coalfields and in Ledger County. And then that's all been exacerbated in the four counties that were hit hardest by the East Kentucky floods. So now we have um, really an area um, in transition. Looking at the results of the 2022 election, you have to look at them 
within the context of what's happened happening on a bigger scale and the population movements. So Metro County's been losing people. There's some estimations that we've lost 20 to 25% of housing stock because of the flood. Uh, a lot of those people had to flee. A lot of those people could have voted in this last election, but uh, didn't. And so um, uh, we see particularly in the state representative's race where um, a district where uh, Angie Hatton was uh, a Letcher County resident representing Letcher County lost, but the proportion of the vote from Pike and Harlan County um, seemed to become more prominent. I don't know, the Kentucky General Assembly got involved in voting in ways that I don't understand. I guess they thought they were fixing something, but before they fixed it, it used to take me five, maybe ten minutes tops to vote. It took me an hour this time, and it was fortunate that I got in the line when I did. Uh, A lot of people, it took them longer, and why? Why, you know, why did they reduce polling places post-COVID? I don't get it. I mean, it was it was easier during the sickness when uh, anybody could vote by mail or you could just show up down at the courthouse and cast your ballot. So um, I don't have um, a high regard for... Uh, what's been coming out of the Kentucky General Assembly, and I would just put this in the category of one more thing I have uh, no high regard for. So these Kentucky coal fields were, uh, were Democrat, pro-Clinton, um, and that began to change a little um, uh, in the early 21st century as um the coal industry started losing more and more national political fights. They ended up creating strategies that were cultural strategies in West Virginia and Virginia and in Kentucky, where um, they created these Friends of Coal uh, events and memes and messages and um, advertising campaigns. And so Starting in about, you know, I'll say the early part of the 21st century, um, ad agencies that worked for the coal industry began to work like us, like a guild, where they would they would take on different parts of messaging, and you know, one would work on legislative messages, and one would work on popular messages, and there would be car shows and football games. They were all about Friends of Coal. And so what became a, what started as a bipartisan support of mining families ended up becoming a um, powerful political coalition that after a while uh, really began to favor Republican candidates certainly Republican national candidates 
people who who would vote as the coal industry wished. So on this election cycle, we polled rural voters in battleground states, and we worked with Solinda Lake, Lake Associates, it's one of uh, national pollster. And the one thing that was surprising was not that um, rural voters were tending to vote for Republicans or identify as Republicans. What was really surprising was how they perceived their economic prospects. Um, what what we saw was that um, rural voters said um, they were having a hard time now. They didn't expect it to get better, and they didn't expect it to get better for their kids. I looked at a lot of polls over the years. There was always some optimism. There was always, well, I'll be okay, but I don't know about my kids, or uh, it might be hard now, but we'll get through this. What I was surprised to see was that lack of an optimistic perception about how these voters place themselves within the context of the American economy. There's some things that elected officials can do that won't be that hard, that can make a difference in people's lives from controlling prescription drug costs to um, making insulin affordable for diabetics to reinvest in um, um, housing and um, infrastructure in rural areas. I think all those things would be good and encouraging, but um, there's been scant pressure for those politicians to do that because they've been elected on cultural issues more than policy issues. And so I think in a way it's important to create an agenda for making our communities better and um, trying to build a critical mass for that. So that's what we're missing right now is any kind of articulation of a thoughtful, particularly rural policy that is not just about farm prices or we need to, you know, getting more prisons, but but really about um, changing the opportunities for rural communities to participate in a pretty healthy American economy. So what do you think happens now? So... It's been, you know, this is anecdotal, but it's been interesting to me that since the flood, I've heard a lot more discussion from local people who blamed coal industry for the floods, blamed climate change for the floods. I don't think there's a 
going to be a long-lasting support of coal industry if it's not providing employment in the area. I think everybody will always value um, the sacrifice, the hard work of miners and mining families. It's a, it's a tough way to go, and a lot of people have uh, contributed. They really built the country. And so I think that legacy is always going to be important. A lot of poor people uh, were able to get on their feet, buy a house, send their kids to college because of coal. You know, it's been a friend. This is not the future. And so I think we don't know exactly what the next uh, way of living is going to be in the mountains, but I assume it's going to be just creating communities that we want to live in. And uh, it'll they'll be diverse in terms of income generation, and then um, um, my my hope is that we get some more prosperity. We, we've done the same thing for a long time, and we've been the poorest part of the country, so I'm not too concerned that if we change what we're doing, that we're going to continue to be poor, I think. Um, um, We've got enough pluck, that uh, enough hard work workers that um, we'll be okay. It may take us a while, but we'll be okay. There you have it. This has been WMMT's 2022 midterm election special. You've heard from voters all over Letcher County on what mattered to them this election, as well as some hard campaigning from elections past via the 1982 Apple Shop film, The Big Lever. You also heard some hard-hitting analysis from Dee Davis of the Center for Rural Strategies. Many thanks to Rowan Raudebush and Parker Hobson for contributing words, audio, and research to this piece. We're here on Mountain Community Radio. From all of us at WMMT, thanks for listening.